Father, we send revival on our land, on our hearts, on our walk with you, on our church, on our neighborhoods, on our families, on the health of the people around us. God, will you truly open the heavens and pour yourself out on us? If anything over this last season, Father, we've realized that anything that we think we can do aside from you, it means nothing. And we need you. We need your presence. We need your kingdom to come. We need your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven, in Charleston and in Florence and in Columbia, in the upstate. God, we truly need more than anything else. We need your kingdom to come. We need your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So Father, will you send revival? And when you do, will you wake us up so we can see it? And if you're doing it right now among us somewhere, would you give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear? God, would we not be numb to what you're doing just because life got hard for a season or school plans changed or I'm not playing football this year or something. God, would we not grow numb to what you're doing in the earth because our plans changed. Father, we love you. And although we're not together in person, we're watching this on a screen, we have to imagine that somewhere you planned for this. Somewhere you didn't, this didn't sneak up on you. And so would we be able to separate ourselves from our story and our circumstance and dive into your story and find ourselves by losing ourselves in the story of the good news of Jesus? God, we love you, we bless you, thank you. You are good, you are kind, you are near. And your word is clear that there is nothing that can separate us. So we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are here with us, near to us right now, whether that's in a living room, that's watching on a phone, filling up with gas, that's out on the lake with friends. It doesn't matter, you're there, you're here with us now. And we just, God, we embrace it and we worship you and we bless you for it. It's in your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, we're back here and we're back in our series called Life Together, where we're talking about how if quarantine season, if COVID season, if whatever you want to call the last few months, if it's taught us anything, what it's taught us is that we were created to need each other. There's something deeper inside of us than just a desire to jump on Fortnite and play with, with buds, right? There's something that goes beyond just, I wanna go out on the lake with my friends, right? There's something that is, it's deeper than just, I wanna call the girls and go grab a cup of coffee. Like it, it's more than just, I wanna do this. It's that what we've been talking about actually and what we talked through in the first week is that God, who is relational in nature, that Father, Son, and Spirit, God, who created us in His image, made us this way, that we were created to need relationships. And so it's, it's important, it's fun, but it's important for us to explore why we were created for relationships. What is it about doing life with other people? What is it about forcing myself to maintain relationships and not even maintain, but to strengthen relationships, even if we can't be together in person all the time, even if there's you know, health risks and all this sort of stuff, why is it important for me to continue to fight for this? Because we were created for this. So today, what I wanna to talk through for a little bit is a little bit of a bigger, deeper reason. 
as to why we were created. I wanna talk about um, what's on the other side of us figuring out whether or not we're doing this the right way. And to get there, I wanna tell you about, now it's been a long time since I've been in school, okay? I know that I look young and hip and cool, but I'm actually quite old and boring. And so uh, what I wanted you to know is that when I was in school 115 years ago, there was something that I was horribly afraid of, like deathly afraid of. I played sports. I was pretty afraid of playing sports, but that wasn't it. Uh, I didn't do that well talking to girls. I was afraid of talking to girls. That wasn't it. Um, I wasn't very big, so I didn't love getting in fights. I did fight, but that wasn't it. The thing that horrified me more than anything else was the idea of a dreaded pop quiz. Now, let me tell you, I don't know if you guys even still do pop quizzes. I don't know what a virtual pop quiz looks like. If you, you know, if school can't get back, like, I don't know. But all I know is that the way I used to roll is I'd rock my backpack, I'd walk into class, I'd sit down, you know, you can't see the, t the teachers maybe in there, maybe not. So you're just hanging out, waiting for class to get started, just kind of cutting up and catching up with, with friends. And then teacher walks in and says, okay, everybody get out a pencil and put your stuff away. We're gonna take a pop quiz today. And everybody looks around and goes, oh no. Because at that point, you know, like, look, let's just be honest, okay? At that point, you're gonna, your teacher's gonna find out really quickly. Have you actually been doing your homework or have you been copying your homework? Like your teacher's gonna find out, did you actually read the book or did you just get the cliff notes or spark notes if those are still a thing? Like, did you just Google the answer or did you actually do the work? Did you figure it out? Because that's what a pop quiz does. Like you may have, you may have done all the work, but it's gonna find out right there in the moment. Are you actually learning it? Are you growing? Is this going in the right direction? Everybody was scared of a pop quiz. What I love is that if you read through the gospels, you find that Jesus actually had a pop quiz for some of the people that he was teaching. So here's what I wanna show you. Luke chapter 10, Jesus is hanging out. This is a parable you may have heard before. This is a parable of the good Samaritan. Okay, so let me just, let me just tell you, let me read this whole parable to you. And then I'll walk through when it comes to doing life Together, I wanna to show you hopefully what the Bible says about what's at stake with whether or not we take Jesus seriously about doing life together. Now, again, I'm not talking personality styles. I know there's introverts and there's extroverts. There's people who are less vulnerable to being sick. So hanging out in COVID season doesn't really bother them, but there's some who are extremely vulnerable. So it's a little more difficult for you. I understand all of that. What I'm talking about is, why, is how the Bible shows that us being created in the image of God, we're created to need relationships with each other. So Jesus in Luke chapter 10, the story goes like this. Behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test. And here's what he says, right? So this is a lawyer. And I don't know if you know anything about lawyers or if any of your parents are lawyers, but most of the time lawyers, they get uh, paid to just be right. It doesn't matter if they're uh, if they're telling the truth, it doesn't matter. They're just, they're trying to get people, right? They take angles and they're trying to, they're trying to just come at Jesus and trying to find an angle to pin him and, and find something false about him. So he says, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So he's asking the question, like, what do I gotta do to get to heaven? What do I need to do to inherit eternal life, right? And Jesus says to him, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer says, well, I read it like this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says to him, you've answered correctly. Do this 
and you will live. So we're going to get into the story here in a second. But the, the, the lawyer who apparently was well-versed in ancient Judaism asked Jesus, okay, teacher, if you're here to not abolish the law, but to fulfill the law, if you're here not to do away with the old way of relating to God, but to complete it, then how, what, what does it say? What, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what do you think the law says? And the guy's like, well, I know there's a lot of them, but if I had to boil it down, I'd say like the only two things that really matter are love God and love people. Just love God with my heart and my strength and my mind and my soul and then love my neighbor as much as I love myself. And Jesus says, yeah, you read it correctly. Go and do that. But because this guy's a lawyer, he can't stop there, right? Like he's got to, to keep digging because he's, he thinks that he can like press Jesus on this. He says this, but he desiring to justify himself says to Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus replied with a story because Jesus was the goat when it comes to teaching. I'm telling you, instead of just firing back with like, look here, lawyer, I know you're trying to get me, but you're not gonna get me. He fires back with, okay, let me tell you this little story. Um, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And while he's going, he fell among some robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And everybody would going, wow, this is a brutal story. Now, by chance, Jesus offers, a priest was um, going down that road. And when he saw him, when, he, when this priest is walking down the road and he sees this guy who's half naked, robbed, stripped of his clothes, beat almost half to death, this priest sees him and decides, I think I'll pass over to the other side of the road and carry on about my business. Jesus goes on. Um, likewise, a Levite. Now you need to go back and read about the Levite people, but basically instead of just being a single priest, they were an entire people group whose sole purpose carved out by God was to minister to God, to be a people that were a priesthood. And so here's what this, this other priesthood uh, person does. He, he comes to the place, he sees him and he passes by on the other side but a Samaritan. And when he said Samaritan, you have to imagine that the lawyer would have been um, at least smart enough to know that this was, Jesus was clearly making a point here. All right, Samaritan in this day was a, it was a different culture. It was a different race. It was a rejected people. They had practices that were unclean. It was like say, you know, it, it was like saying, imagine who you hate and that's who it was, okay? So a Samaritan as he journeyed, he comes to where the guy is. And when he sees him, he has compassion. <clears throat> he goes to him and he binds up his wounds. He pours on some oil and some wine. He puts him on his own animal, his own donkey. He brings him to an, an inn and he takes care of him. Not only that, the next day he goes out and he gives the two denarii and he gives them to the innkeeper and he says, hey, take care of this guy, put it on my tab and whatever, if you spend anything else over this, then I'll come back and I'll repay you for what else he spends. And then Jesus looks at this lawyer and he goes, so let me ask you this, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer thinks for a second, and he says, well, I guess it was the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says, well, then you go and you do it likewise. You go out and live your life filled with compassion on people who need you and thus fulfill the law of loving God and loving your neighbor. And Jesus here makes it abundantly clear. 
by, by affirming this guy's understanding of the law. So listen, if, if you had to boil the, the point of, of the text down to action statements for us, it would be this, love the Lord your God. Set your heart in motion to love God with your emotional life, with your devotional life. Set your mind to read about and study about and seek the things that are above where Christ is so you can love God with your thoughts, with all of your strength. Put habits and practices in place so that you can spend your time loving God. And do this, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. That was Jesus saying, yeah, that's it. That's the whole point. And then who proves to be the neighbor? The neighbor is the guy, the neighbor, my neighbor is the guy who needs something, the girl who needs something from me. And how do I know if I'm loving God? Here was Jesus's pop quiz. If you're not sure how you and God are doing, look how well you're loving the people around you. That's the test. That's the litmus test according to Christ. Are me and God okay? Are me, is my relationship with God okay even though I haven't read the Bible in a little while? Is my, my understanding of scripture, is it deep enough for where I am at, at this point in high school? Like, or I haven't been to church in, in a while. Is God still happy with me? And Jesus would say, look, I, I'm grateful you're asking those questions, but if you wanna know how to fulfill the law, love God and love your neighbor. And if there's somebody who's sitting at your lunch table here in a few weeks who needs something from you, the way that you love them will prove to yourself how much you love God. If there's somebody who rides a school bus with you who might look different and act different and sound different, they live in a different part of town, but they clearly have a need in front of them, then you will know clearly how much you love God by what you do for them. This is simple and we've made this so difficult. We've made this so challenging in church. We've come up with a whole new set of rules. We've, we've come up with a whole new place to teach all of this. And this lawyer who was clearly, you know, he was so woke and, and, and he was so progressive and he was so future-minded that he was gonna get at Jesus at an angle that Jesus hadn't thought of. Jesus was like, look, man, it's simple. I don't care where you're from. I don't care where your background is. I don't care your culture. I don't care your race. The deal is this, I created you to need each other. So if you'll love your neighbor, you'll fulfill the law. And this had to be a moment where the people standing around were like, wait a minute, this dude just applauded a Samaritan and chirped a priest and a Levite. What is he doing? And Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He was saying, I came to fulfill the requirement of God on everyone's behalf so that every tribe and tongue, every nation and race, every generation and people group has access to God through me. I'm the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. But everyone has the ability to come to the Father now because of my sacrifice. And he says this, but if you come to Christ, you will be required to pick your cross up and carry it and follow Follow me by laying your life down, not for those who you like, but for your neighbor. And I love singing this song that we sing, Lord, send revival, please send it, right? I pray this all the time. God, open up the heavens and send revival. Bring it down to my home, to my family, to my neighborhood. Bring it to my school, bring it to my baseball team. And I wonder if God's saying, I'm sending revival, but you've got to go and bring it to your neighbor who needs you. I wonder if God's saying revival would come if you take that extra jacket out of your book bag and give it to that kid who doesn't have one and you know he doesn't have one because he sits by himself at the lunch table because he doesn't want anybody to get close to him. 
or he's got, um, he's so embarrassed that he, he walks to school because he doesn't want somebody to drop him off or whatever the situation is. Jesus would say, if you just wake up and look and see the world around you and notice the need, you'd find revival right there with your neighbor. And we can't meet in huge groups right now, right? Like we can't, if we could all put a thousand of us in a room again, we'd go back to Daytona, we'd, we'd hit reverse, we'd, you know, we'd cram it all in, we'd do all of that, but we can't. But you know what you can do? You can go talk to your neighbor. You can call that guy or girl who was in your fuse group at the beginning of summer, but now they're not and they're bailed and they probably need you. They probably fell into some sin that they didn't want to get into or maybe something happened in their family and somebody got sick and you know what they have right now? They have some real need. And Jesus was saying, why do you think I came? I came so that we could begin to learn how to love God by loving our neighbor. It's so convicting to me. It's so convicting every time. You wanna know why? Because I'm never gonna get away from my neighbor. Like I can, I can come to work and sit in my office and close the door. I can get in my truck and, and I can close the door and listen to my Christian music. I can listen to my, my Bible preaching. I can read my Bible and drink my coffee in the morning and have my quiet time and feel good. But every day I'm gonna wake up and go outside to get in my truck to leave and I'm gonna see my neighbor and I'm gonna realize, man, that's God's test for me to determine how he and I are doing is my neighbor. So who's your neighbor? Is it somebody that you know that has some real life need right now? They, they don't have relationships. They're sick. They need help. They're tired. They're, somebody is used to be around and helping them and now they're not because they had to go work a double shift to pay for something like, and so they're lonely or, or they don't have food or whatever. Like Jesus would say, man, just wake up and see the need. That's where you'll find your neighbor. And John who, who comes around and he's writing this letter back to us, he takes Jesus's language and doubles down on it. Listen to how serious and hardcore this language is. He says, we love God, or we love because he first loved us. Then he says this, listen, this is in the Bible, man. He says, if anybody says I love God and he hates his brother, he's a liar. Think about this. Think about having, um, think about standing before Jesus one day and saying, I'm so glad I loved you all along. And Jesus saying, that's interesting because you had a lot of hate for that girl across the lunchroom. And you really seem to not get along with that guy on the football team. And you really seem to just not give that teacher the benefit of the doubt. And there were lots of people that you claimed you had a whole lot of hate for. And I'm pretty sure John made it clear that anybody who says you love God, but you hate your brother, they're a liar. He who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Look, seriously, think about this. Think about how many times you've had somebody ask you like, dude, how do you even know if God's real? Like you can't even see him. You know, like tell me about faith, dude. You can't even like all this stuff. And John was saying, no, that's legit. You want to know how the world's supposed to know that you love God? Not because you're at church and not because you sing good and not because you do all this stuff. You dress like the people. No, it's because you love your neighbor. Like Jesus said in John 13, you know how the world's gonna know you're Christians? By the way, it's not gonna be by your cool church services. Jesus said, they're not gonna know that you're Christians by the songs you write or by the t-shirts you buy or by the bracelets you wear. They're gonna know you love me because of the way you love your neighbor. 
because of the way you treat each other. He's telling his disciples, he's like, guys, y'all gotta get this because you have to export this culture to generation, to generation, to generation. You gotta let them know it's not about your dogma. It's not about the things you say. It's not about the words you recite. It's not about, it's about the way you love the world around you because you and I were created in the image of God to do good and to put good back into the earth. This commandment we have from him. All right, so this is John saying, look, this is a straight command from Jesus. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Whoever loves God must also love her sister. There is not a version of Christianity that allows us to trick ourselves into thinking we love God and not have love for our brothers and our sisters and our neighbors. It doesn't exist. And in a time right now where we can't hide in massive groups, we can't hide in a youth group service or a church service. We can't hide inside the arena in Daytona Beach. We're left to deal with ourselves. Are you loving the people around you? Because it's clear our witness, our effective sharing of the good news of Jesus is up to not our words, not our Bible reading, but it's in the way we love our neighbor. So it's all well and good, right? But we got to talk through this. We've got to talk through this with um, real life people who've really got to do this. So an action step I would encourage you to do with your group. If you're not in a group, one, you need to text Fuse Groups to 30303. We're gonna get you in a group. And if you are in a group, you need to re-engage with your group so you guys can get this conversation going again so you can practice this. But one of the things that I would love to hear from you guys and from your group is, what's a way that you've shown love either to each other or to somebody else that's made a much bigger difference than the thousand messages that we've preached or thousands of songs that we've sung? Like how have you seen loving your neighbor as a primary means of sharing the good news of Jesus? Yeah, um, so this is my Fuse group from earlier, but um, actually something we did um, together as a group last year when we did the Love Gives Boxes at Christmas time, um, I was super proud of the way um, our group, some here and some back in Charleston, um, decided to do with, with our box. So, hey, Reagan, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody what we did? Okay, so we decided we wanted to do something a little bit different with our Love Gives box because we wanted to make it for one of the girls in our Fuse group who isn't here today named Laura Lee. So we figured out all of her favorite stuff and colors and then we all individually went out and bought her clothes and gift cards and shoes. And it was just super nice seeing how happy it made her. Yeah, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell them Riley about like when we actually got to give it to her, what that was like. So when we actually gave it to her, she loved it. And I felt so good inside that I actually did something that was great for her. And she loved it so much. Yeah, it was amazing. And plug, we're doing that again this uh, December. So as a group, get ready or it's going to be awesome. Um, but hey, here's what I know. Um, this season has been a little weird. It's been a little crazy. It's been hard to do life together, right? Like it's been hard to do life together because normally our routine is we meet and hang out at Starbucks every other Tuesday. And then also we hang out right after Fuse and we talk about the message. We talk about what we learned. We talk about the best thing that's happened that week, the not best thing that's happened that week. Um, cause you know, positivity matters. Um, but what I know is that we've tried really hard to still continue to do life together in this season. Right. But let's be honest for a second. 
Some weeks we, we meet online, right? Right after Fuse. But some weeks it's just me and our co-leader, Amanda, right? And that's okay. Because here's what I'll say. Please don't let the enemy make you feel any amount of guilt or shame in this season because it's been hard to do life together. My challenge to you is text your Fuse group leader, call your Fuse group leader, FaceTime them right now if you have to, and commit to jumping into our brand new series that we're starting next Wednesday and you really can do life together. I promise you, because isn't it better when we do it together? So much better, right? Like today is so much better because we're together. And then we're going to get together and we're going to watch Fuse together again next week, right? Right, because it's better together. So, um, that's all we have for you guys. We love you so much. I feel, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Great. Great. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. God, thank you for the example of the good Samaritan. Lord, and how important it is for us to do life together. We love you so much. And we pray all this in your name. Amen. And now you can go ahead and call that leader, text that leader, your Fuse group, and talk through these questions together.